It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Braves reporter, Mark Bowman. And, Mark, we're going to have a little different feel here for the podcast as suddenly the Braves are rolling. They've won six in a row coming off Tuesday's win in Miami, and that one was a dramatic victory. Um, But overall, you're in the clubhouse every day. How has the vibe kind of changed going along with this win streak? You know, it, it's certainly, uh, if nothing else, just a relief. Um, you know, I, I think you you take these, you know, the, this winning streak and stride, and then say that it, it's a, uh, you know, you, you're you're not expecting this to last forever. It, 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 you have to, you know, take a step back and say, hey, look, if you were worried about the team a week ago, some of those same worries still exist. But at the same time, they, they've gotten good pitching, they've gotten timely hitting, and. They rode the momentum of what happened there during the 13th inning of that game against Cincinnati. You know, they give up two runs in the top half of the inning, score three in the bottom half, come back the next afternoon and uh, win a game and, and then go into New York and sweep a series and then go into Miami and, and uh, you know deal with Jose Fernandez for seven innings and then win a game in the eighth inning uh, and beyond there. Um with Jace Peterson playing better. And that's one thing that has stood out is they've had a couple guys go down to Gwinnett uh, with Jace Peterson, uh, Donis Garcia, Eric Ibar. They, but they've all come back and it started to hit and, and provided that offense kind of the look that the, the team had hoped that it would have um, at the beginning of the season. They uh, they ran into the Mets at a good time. New York just not hitting right now, which helps out. But still, a sweep is a sweep, no doubt. And it wasn't even close. The Braves outscoring the Mets 15-4 to in that series. Uh, and Sunday stood out, Mark, because Julio Tehran really put together a special effort on the mound. The one-hit shutout. And like I said, the Mets lineup uh, not hitting right now. But nonetheless, that's a great performance by Tehran. What did you see from him? You know, Tehran has been... Uh... He's probably been the most interesting development of this season because, you know, let's go back a year ago to, you know, whether I was writing some, talking on this podcast, I kept saying, hey, look, you know, maybe it's time to deal with Julio because I don't know if his value is ever going to return. Well, I I think here we are two months uh, into a run where he's got a sub-2 ERA, and I think you have to take a step back and, and say, I'll just say I, I was wrong. I, not only has he regained all of that value he has uh he's probably better than he was in 2014 just for the simple fact that he's he's now just a little bit smarter in his approach his secondary pitches have been better uh his mixing up the curveball changing speeds location uh his fastball command has been more consistent um while he gave up a few home runs in those early june starts that's basically all he was giving up it was just a mistake pitch here and there um, and he goes into New York, and like you said, he he took advantage of a struggling offense, but at the same time, that was a, quite a dominant performance. Um, you know, his, his 
almost as close to perfection as you can get when you're retiring 27 or 28 hitters. And, you know, as you, as you look forward, you know, the question is, you know, do the Braves trade Julio? I, I, I'll go back to, to December. I kept saying you can't trade Shelby Miller, you know, because if you do so at that point in time, I'm not expecting Julio to take this step forward. I was saying, you know, you're going to set back your, your rebuild at least another season because you've got so many young starters that are going to have their ups and downs. You need some consistency within that rotation. I still feel that way with, with Julio, but at the same time, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to go that strong anymore because if somebody's willing to give me a package similar to Dansby Swanson, Enciarte, and uh, um, Aaron Blair, then, then I will go ahead and do that again. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm not expecting that. So so my, my expectation is that Julio will be around. Uh, you, you look at He's basically signed through 2020 at a average cost of $9.3 million per year. I mean, on today's pitching market, that's that's a bargain, especially for what you're getting, what you you are hoping, or what is Julio Tehran is giving you an indication of what he can provide over the next few years. Yeah, that's going to be middle reliever money pretty soon in Major League yeah. Baseball. Uh, I was going to get on here today and, and talk to you about how great John Gant was in his last start. Uh, but as we speak with the Braves on the field right now, a little bit of a struggle uh, against the Marlins. He gives up three in the second inning. But that last start was really good. His first time out, not bad, but he didn't last long. But last time out, six and two-thirds innings, just a run on two hits, five strikeouts. Um can this guy stay in this role as a starter? I think that there's no reason not to allow him to at least show what he can do in this role. I think it was very interesting uh, that they did not want him to face the Mets two starts in a row, so they flip-flopped he and Whistler, like you said, sending John Gann out to the mound here against the Marlins. As we speak, uh, he did have that the rough uh, second inning here uh, today. Um, I, I do think that you know, I, I'm leaning towards his long-term uh, role. If, if you're projecting what, what he's going to be in the next few years, he, he's probably a reliever. But at the same time, let, let's see if this curveball can be consistent enough to to uh, complement his fastball uh, and change up uh, and allow him to be an effective starter. Maybe he, he can be a, num- a solid number four or number five. That, that uh, wind-up is certainly provides some deception. Uh, the first look the first time teams look at it, it's going to provide, uh, you know, some problems. Um, I, I guess right now what I would say is, yes, it makes sense to, to try him in the starting role right now, especially while, while Mike Fultonevich and Lance Perez are out of the rotation. Uh, but if, if you're if you're saying, hey, look, tell me exactly right now what you think he'll be in the future, I, I do think he'll be a reliever. But it makes every all the sense in the world uh, to, to give him a chance to say, hey, look, I'm not just a fastball changeup guy. That it's going to be effective out of the bullpen. Maybe I maybe this curveball can be effective enough for me to be a a number four or a number five. A big part of this uh, win streak has been Freddie Freeman, who has really blown up. National League Player of the Week last week. His numbers from last week: five forty eight average. He had nine extra base hits. That included three home runs. He had two four-hit games in five days, and he included a, a cycle in all of that. I mean, obviously, Freddie Freeman is the guy on that team that's, that's the all-star performer. He's been there. He dates back to the, to the winning days and the division titles. Um, but we hadn't really seen that much of that Freddie Freeman this season. What clicked for him in the, in the last week or so? You know, we, we started to see it the week before when they were in San Diego. He started to – he was sick one night. Uh, the first game of that series, he had 
vomited about six times that game, so you take that one out. But the, the final two games of that that series, he, he started to see him hit the ball uh, with some some power the other way. And then, as you know, you know, you start to see guys do that. That's usually a sign of that they're coming around. And then he runs into a few uh, tough Cubs pitchers during that uh, first uh, the weekend first weekend of the previous homestand and takes off takes his frustrations out against some Reds pitchers there and uh but at the same time hey look he had some some success against uh some pretty good Mets pitchers here this past weekend I you know, look this Freddie Freeman is a is a legit uh uh hitter I mean here here's a guy who, who certainly can carry a team like he did last week I I think that uh you know let's remember he's not he doesn't have any protection in this lineup um this was the most frustrating stretch of his career uh, the first couple months of the season. I think that uh, you know what you're seeing is is him proving once again that he's a guy who who can consistently hit uh, 290 to 300 with 20, 20 to 25 homers, and I think that that power could those power numbers could increase. You know if they go into this new park and the ball travels uh, much better than it does at Turner Field. He 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 misses it probably about three to four homers a year just playing at, at Turner Field. The, the alleys there are very unforgiving. Uh, unforgiving. I think if he played in Philadelphia, uh, let's put there Cincinnati somewhere uh, a lot more offensively friendly, that, that opposite field power would, would show a lot more. And, uh, you know, not, not only is he a guy who can turn on a, a fastball and drive it, but at the same time he has great hands and is able to hit the ball the other way for power. So I, I think that what we're seeing is, is uh, the, the kind of hitter that, that he certainly has been throughout most of his career. Uh, it was, it was obviously that was a special week, uh, but at the same time, the Braves can only hope that this extends through the remainder of the season. Mark, bad timing for Malik Smith as far as an injury and heading to the disabled list. Um, after a slow start, he had really been playing well. Uh, last 141 plate appearances before the injury, he was at 272. The on-base percentage, 338. He had stolen 14 bases in that time. Is really uh, coming together, uh, but he gets hit on the thumb, fractures the thumb, so he goes to the disabled list. Emilio Bonifacio called up. But I love the attitude by Malik Smith after the injury in the clubhouse. This guy just stays positive nonetheless, and, and he seemed like, you know, he's obviously disappointed to be hurt, but, uh, but there was a little glimmer in his eye that, like, you know what, I'm going to be back before you know it, and I'm going to get back to it. Yeah, you know what? It's I I I don't know how anyone who has ever been around Malik Smith for an extended period of time can dislike this guy, and you know primarily for the reason you just uh, pointed out. He's a guy who cares only about winning and bringing a smile to the park every day. The first question we asked him after you know he found out that his thumb was fractured there Sunday was you know is this disappointing? Is it disappointing? No, you know we just swept the Mets and. And it was a genuine smile and a genuine response. He, uh, yes, he, you know, it's it stinks that he's going to miss the next two months. It, it, you know, primarily from a development standpoint, because it, it did look like he was starting to get things. I mean, he, this guy, he played football most of his high school career. I mean, that that was his focus. That was his love. He started to, you know, he really didn't baseball. I don't think was ever really ever his primary focus until he uh, became a pro. And uh, you, you do see some mistakes here. And there's some things that he's still learning the game, but he is a quick learner. He's a guy who listens. Um, and, and you started to see it even just with the stolen base numbers. Um, just just one of the many different things he's learned on the fly. But, 
you know, I think he was six of his first 13 uh, in the stolen base department, and he's been successful with each of his past eight attempts. That's just a, a product of getting better reads, learning pitchers, uh, not sliding, uh, you know, popping up uh, at the end of the slide and getting tagged out. Little things like that. He's just uh, he's a guy that, that the Braves are going to love to have for the next uh, you know five six years, what however long they're able to control him. And um, it, yes, he does think that he probably will not be back in that lineup until at the very earliest late August, and probably more likely some some point in September. Yeah, hopefully he gets back at least in enough time to kind of get back into the swing of things and and get a good feeling heading into the offseason. That's going to do it for this edition of MLB.com Extras, our Braves edition. I'm Tim McMaster along with Mark Bowman. Tune in again next week. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.